Welcome to another episode of the AlbumReview.net podcast. I'm Greg Potters. Joining me today on this episode is independent music business owner, entrepreneur, and all-around music aficionado, Brendan Gennetti. Brendan hails from the Boston area like me, and today he's joining me to talk about a whole bunch of things. Brendan's resume is long and distinguished. He, he's been employed with Live Nation, iHeartRadio, and Sony. Brendan hosts a regular podcast called Music You're Missing, where he reviews and interviews music from artists that many might argue are not on your radar. You can find Brendan's podcast wherever podcasts are available. In 2021, Brendan announced a partnership with Big Night Entertainment Group, where he now receives production, marketing, and venue operation support. Music You're Missing has been invited to cover highly attended events, including the 64th Annual Grammy Awards and the Boston Calling Music Festival. With established relationships with various PR companies, global talent agencies, and major record labels, Music You're Missing is growing rapidly, as are the musicians that Brendan profiles on the podcast. So, I hope you enjoy this interview with all-around music businessman, Brendan Gennetti. All right, cool. So, all right. Um, so... Joining me today on the podcast is Brendan Gennetti. Brendan, thanks so much for being on the albumreview.net podcast with us today, man. Yeah, of course, Greg. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Now, uh, part of why I'm excited to have you on the podcast is to, to tell our listeners about your business and how it can help them. But the other part is, I really want to talk to you about your music business experience and some of the opportunities that you've been able to, to have. So let's start off where I always start off in these conversations growing up. So you grew up here in Massachusetts, right? You're a fellow mass hole like myself. Yeah, I did. I, I literally was born and raised and have, have yet to leave, which, you know, is ironic because <laughs> I always thought I would leave with music, but I've actually been able to stay in the city, which I, I never thought was a possibility. Yeah, I'm out in the burbs now, but I'm I love uh loved living in the city for a while. It was a lot of fun and you're obviously connected to so many more things. So, what what was um what was life like growing up, you know, for you? Like what was uh what was family life like? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, super normal to be honest. Um I think That's it's good. I didn't I first of all, I feel like I'm still growing up. I think the biggest thing <laughs> I'm too. the youngest of my huge family. So like I feel like I'm a baby still and I'm surrounded by them all the time. So I literally am a child. So it's kind of hard for me to take myself seriously. It's like this businessman. <laughs> it's also funny because if you think I mentioned this to my family, you think they understand what I do? Hell no. Um, anyways, uh, you know, it was, it was super great. My, my family's like super Italian and huge. My dad is literally the baby of 18 children. Oh my um, God. Yeah. Wow. And I'm the baby of all the grandchildren. So truly I am like the youngest child through and through. Um, 18 yeah. children. God bless your grandmother and grandfather. Yeah. I, the first thing everyone asks is same parents, which are like, okay, <laughs> weird, <laughs> rude to ask, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. same parent. <laughs> now. Okay. So how many brothers or sisters do I have? I have, yeah. um, I'm, 
also the baby, obviously, two older brothers and one older sister. And so that kind of leads me into my next question. Like, when did you first become addicted to music or the music business? Was it like an influence from one of your older siblings? Was there just something that you feel happened to you organically? Yeah, it's one of those things where I didn't realize how much music had an impact on my life until I kind of grew up and realized that it actually was the most significant driver in my personality and free time. Um, I just always gravitated towards music. I had like an MP3 player when they first dropped uh, oh and God. was illegally downloading music via LimeWire at like age eight. No <laughs> so way. Knew oh how to God. file share. Nice. Metallica would be very frustrated with you right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, ever since, like I've just consistently been listening to it. But I think, um, you know, like in high school, I think is when you kind of pick who you are if that makes sense yeah totally like, oh yeah i'm the guy that like music and that's when yeah. i kind of realized okay like i guess i like music more than than most people and it is a large part of my life um so i think that's really when i kind of honed into the idea of being like a music head and then again like growing up and and just maturing realizing that you actually can make kind of a, a business out of this and it doesn't just have to be an interest um, yeah yeah and we're gonna dive into that in a little bit because i find this just fascinating it, was there an artist or a band that that sort of did it for you like when you heard you know i'm sure you were growing up around music all the time and i know from personal experience I can remember Michael Jackson being kind of a big thing for me as maybe a little bit before your time. He, he became a super weirdo probably by the time you could remember him. But when I was a kid, he was like the coolest guy on the planet. Every kid wanted to be him. Um, but it was, it was really another band uh, that, that really did it for me. I guess I'm just curious, was there, was there like a, f a, a switch that got flipped one day and you heard a particular band or artist that you were like, okay, I, I need more. Yeah, to be honest, this is the funniest answer I'll probably give you, and I will probably get so much shit for this. But I was, like, 12, and, you know, from, like, 8 to 12, I, my music was pretty consistent, you know, just, like, the, the mainstream whatever. Um, but when I was 12, Kesha came on the block. Okay, yeah, yeah. Call, and yeah. she branded as, like, this badass, like, would swear, drink, party. And I was like, that's cool. I've never seen an artist like do that and granted now i don't necessarily listen to her music but i i respected the way that she was branded um i think that was just the first time i realized that like an artist really supersedes their music it's it's like a whole experience and in, in the brand um yeah. and i just really dug that and like the the artist that she would collab with like 303 in that scene and like warp tour i just thought was super right sick. It's um, funny you mentioned Kesha because I just recently, and I think it was two nights ago, but about two weeks ago, the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert took place in London. Uh, yeah. Taylor's a drummer for Foo Fighters, for those out there that don't know. Um, but Kesha was actually one of the guests, and she came on stage dressed very interestingly, I may <laughs> add. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to check it out, but if anyone out there has Paramount Plus... I think they still, I, that's where I saw it. They still have the six hour version of the Wembley concert. And for any of you audiophiles or music junkies, you don't even have to really love rock and roll. Like this was one of the greatest concerts I've ever seen. And half the artists on there, well, some of the artists on there were my true love, but some of them, I, I didn't really know that much. And it just was such an eclectic 
group, but I Kesha at one point came out and I was like, huh, interesting. Yeah. So I got a chance to check it out and I, I it wasn't too bad. Of course, yeah, her outfit I, helped a little bit too. <laughs> I saw a couple <laughs> clips um, from the show. It, it looked sick. I, I had heard about it, but it's funny because when I tell you like, you know, I, I had a weird affinity for her growing up so much so that to this day, <laughs> the reason I know that she was at that tribute show is because I had like four different people text me and I was like, ah, cool. Okay. I'm like, Hey, your girl, now. your girl, yeah. check it out. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I probably have it tuned into one of her albums maybe since like 2014 or 2015 yeah. actually. Um, but yeah, it's just really funny, but for real, like I, I definitely, um, I think that's when I like got really interested in, we you know, it's not just music. It's like a, a pop star is a, is a brand is a business. Um, right. At the same time, like musically, I was, I was really into uh Coldplay and nice. more like that. There was this, uh, I think Sirius had just come out the coffee yep. house. It was like Nord. Yeah. Great channel. Coldplay. I was yeah. really into that as well. Yeah. Um, same. Yeah. If I had to answer like one particular act that made me kind of open my eyes to the, the industry, it would, would have to be my girl Kesha. I had a, an, a, a serious addiction for about three months to Nora Jones's first album and listened to it every night as I was going to bed. So you get to college, uh, you go to UMass and you get an opportunity fast forwarding a little bit here, but you get an opportunity to work at iHeartRadio as a promotions yeah. assistant in 2016. What was that experience like? Yeah. So that's another thing that uh, just didn't make any sense and shouldn't have happened <laughs> because I was working two and a half hours away from their office. And I think there was just a huge miscommunication about like, my availability and they hired me and i was also like 18 and it just truly made no sense that they would hire me but <laughs> it, it worked and that was the most pivotal moment obviously in my career that's where i gained the uh foundation of my skill set and and really my introduction to the business um and i think it my experience was great because i made it great if that makes sense i think you yeah really had totally makes sense yeah really dug into the industry part of it and just kind of you know got by and did your job i definitely use my resources uh wisely and that's i still to this day i like literally just emailed someone today from the iheart boston um about a show coming up so it, it having a having a background in the you know staffing and recruiting hiring industry um you know I, it makes sense to me you probably fit the bill of somebody that was just young and hungry yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm hesitant to say, but it might be a little true that maybe they were like, well, this guy will work for peanuts cause he loves it so much, but maybe not. But I mean, like a, a lot of times, uh, old farts come into a certain scenario and they're set in their ways. And, um, that's an advantage that, you know, we all have, I think when we're young, getting out of school, it's like, you just want to learn. So you're willing to, you know, do a lot of different things that maybe, other folks that have been around forever are like, ah, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. Oh, so, yeah. um, that's I mean, I a huge advantage. I wore a turkey mascot costume. On <laughs> like they knew that if they had some crazy shit to do, I would do it and I would enjoy doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think now, I, I don't think I could have the, uh, I don't even like power to do that now. I would be too embarrassed or anxious, but back in the day, if you, if you needed me to wear a turkey suit, I'd do it. <laughs> What do you think the most important lesson or piece of advice that you got was from that experience? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing I learned is not to um, kind of fall into the dramatics and the politics of the industry. 
I think I've always been really grounded and known my goals and my vision. And I've always felt like I can chase after it and accomplish it Mm -hmm. the right way and not have to be so chaotic um, or, or, you know, get too distracted by some of the other things in the way of a, of a industry like pipeline, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then while, let me know if I get this right. While also at iHeart, you were working at Sony music. Were those both at the same time? Yeah. And you know, I I keep discrediting myself, but that's another job that I shouldn't have had because I (laughs) applied for it. And the guy who the, his name's Frank, the like director of the program was like, yeah, so we actually are not looking for someone in Massachusetts. And I was like, I know, I know you're not looking for someone in Massachusetts, but here's the thing. Like I work at iHeart in Boston and I feel like there's a lot of, there's like synergy there. You should hire me. And I just kept bugging him and he finally hired me. Nice. Look at you, man. That's awesome. Nice. That's how you do it. Yeah, yeah, truly. And it's funny because I'm not doing it in like an annoying way. I'm just like, I know I'm, it's, I always say like the only part of my life where I'm confident is like professionally. It was like, listen, like I know for a fact, like I would be a great addition to the team. Just like trust me. And obviously they did. And it worked out wonderfully. There was a a few promotions that I got to intertwine with iHeart and Sony. um, And I got to really do a lot of great stuff in, in hindsight, like really proud of myself for being able to do some of that stuff, especially with like zero budget and making uh, minimum wage and living in, you know, Boston, but going to school in Amherst. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's a it, long it, distance and that's an hour and a half at least right distance. Yeah. Between, yeah. between each other. Yeah. And I would certainly make that ride a few times a week. I've made that ride myself many times. I had a lot of friends that went to UMass Amherst. So, and then you graduate and you get an opportunity to work for a country music station, country 102.5, yeah. um, which is still around today, right? And it is. Yeah. yeah my wife like, cranks them in her car. So uh, my wife's from Ohio, but she loves, and she loves country music. I shouldn't say, but um, country 102.5 is I think out of Dorchester, the, the dot. And I, I get, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like the only country station in the Boston area. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing is I was at iHeart literally up until the day that I went to this radio station. And one of our flagship stations at iHeart was 1017 The Bull, which is a country station. Okay. And I mean, that's where I really had the most connections with like the jocks and just the, the marketing team and whatnot. Right. So right. It was really kind of wild for me to jump ship i was also like 22 so you know i didn't i didn't really know what i was doing i just figured i would do it um <laughs> but yeah so country 1025 is definitely like their rival station um it's been around okay. longer. i think it's a little bit um i don't want to say like larger but i think it's you know it just has more longevity to it um and it's a little it's not iheart owned so it's more in my mind i mean i could this is just me as a consumer it seems a little bit more like old-fashioned than okay Okay. And so I'm guessing, but I don't want to put words in your mouth that you weren't necessarily looking to work at a country radio station per se, but it was a opportunity to work for a reputable radio station, regardless they were country. Like was that, it didn't matter the music format. No, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. Yeah. uh, To be honest, I, I, I thought I wanted to do radio like on air um, because I was working in radio for like three years. And I mean, it's cool. You you see all the jocks like doing their things. Right, uh, right. I literally yeah. to see the Maddie in the Morning show nice. sometimes. Like, yeah. that would be cool. Um, so I just thought I wanted to do that. And then I, I would have gone anywhere. There was a time where I applied to a classical music station. Um, 
the trajectory of radio though is you don't typically start in a in a on air in a market like boston oh um, totally so it was another thing too where i send out a bunch of emails and eventually this 1025 uh program manager he was like let's do it uh and he hired me so yeah it was cool it in hindsight it wasn't what i wanted to do i'm right. really glad that i had that opportunity because i realized i did not want to do that and that i'm a little bit more um up to date and like not up to date but i'm really into new and emerging media as opposed to kind of old media um so it sure. wasn't wasn't the best fit i had a i had great experience i think i was probably a little immature at the time of where i couldn't really appreciate it because the overnight gigs and like i ended up going i actually got promoted pretty quickly and was on the morning show for a minute um, they were they were great and uh, i really really appreciated their patience with me because i think i was spread a little too thin towards the end of my run with them but yeah it was it was great if that answers whatever the question was. it does it does it sounds a lot like me but except you were in just a way cooler industry um you know part of what interested me and wanted made me want to talk to you as well as I had a lot of these desires, but I didn't take the risk. I think we talked about this in our, in our prior conversation a couple of weeks back and I ended up going out there and really looking more at like what was going to make, you know, the most money and how could I get a car and an apartment really yeah. quickly. And, um, I can remember waking up and having that security and everything, but, and not that the, you know, music industry doesn't, but from my knowledge and experience hearing about the the radio world it's not the most lucrative at least at the beginning no. i mean even a lot of parts of the music industry aren't lucrative so even right. just you know if you were to take the risk and get like you know your typical nine to five job in music that's still a risk because i can make double that in tech in having right. a role so it really right. it is a risk you're 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 right um and definitely don't hark on the fact that you didn't take it because well i think about it a lot you know and i got into my 30s after the crazy 20s and i was like all right you know i'm stable i can you know get married have, get a house have kids but was never really able to scratch that itch and it was finally you know, in 2020, when I really launched album review and albumreview.net. Um, and it was just, it was something I wish I could have done a long, a long time ago. So a little bit harder though, back 20 years ago when that's um, another thing. Yeah. We didn't have these, we didn't have a lot of these engines, right? Yeah. So, it's hard to have like regrets when you didn't really have the accessibility. It's a good point. Yeah, no, good point. Good point for sure. So, um, at, at country one Oh two, were you, were you doing stuff like spinning records like the old days? Or I guess it was more yeah, like no. computerized and things like that. And yeah, it, Computerized. Um, I, I probably just no... dated myself by asking him like that. <laughs> no, I literally had no say over what was played um, over the music. And that's, mm. I think, a huge misconception that people think the jocks do. Maybe if you're like, you know, a, a top jock, you'd be able to. But that is a music director. Oh, totally. Manager's yeah. Um, that's what makes WBCN such a great, I don't know if you've ever seen that documentary. Uh, I, it, it comes out now and then on PBS, but, um, that was the first radio station to just allow their DJs to play whatever. And it blew the whole, it blew the whole industry up. So sorry, I I cut you off though. Sorry. Finish your thought. Um, no, I mean, that is a dream job in itself is just to play, like have aux (laughs) right. For hundreds of people, I would love that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, that it was the program manager uh, who controlled all that. When people would call right. in and request a song, I'd be like, "Yeah, I got you in the next thirty minutes," and then I know it wouldn't play. <laughs> what am I gonna do? I can't tell them no without about right. to it. Right. Um, so yeah, I just it was radio is just me lying a lot. <laughs> <Callers>. <laughs> 
you got to do what you got to do to get by sometimes. So yeah. um, this will be your opportunity to apologize to all those people right now. Right. So, um, so, so COVID hits and like most people, our lives in some ways, this might be a little dramatic, but gets turned upside down. I know it did yeah, for me for sure. upside down, inside out. So like me, your creative juices start to flow uncontrollably I'm assuming and you leave country 1025 and decide to enroll in arguably the most prestigious music school in the country yeah. Berkeley here in Boston so uh, talk to me talk to me about that man like how difficult is it to get into to Berkeley talk yourself up a little bit here I want to I want to hear about all your skills there <laughs> um, well yeah I will say I did like choose to leave 1025 they fired me in approximately like a 45 second phone call I was like all right uh, wait, wait 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 okay pause so what was that like had it already kicked in like did you hang up the phone and go holy you were either really excited or you were paranoid and you started freaking out which one was no, it to be honest I knew that it was time and uh i i just I, it had run its course for me i didn't really want to be there but it was such a great opportunity that i was stuck i didn't want to give it up either so yeah. there was zero hard feelings like he was like hey just so you know like you're gonna be off the schedule and i just I, was like okay yeah like i literally get it no worries and yeah. hung up the phone didn't care didn't look back and was like all right well what's my next move um, yeah and at the time the world was shut down. The music industry was shut down. How was I going to invest my time wisely? Grad school. Um, so I looked up some music business programs and ultimately, because there there are a few, there's not a lot, there are a few. And ultimately, of course, I went with Berkeley because it's Berkeley. <laughs> um, and if I'm, I'm going to exactly. get a degree from, you know, in music, I, I would like it to be from the music school. So I... Yeah. Still there. I'm almost done. But yeah, it's been that's been really helpful because it's you don't you don't typically get formally trained in music business. So it, it's been really eye opening. Yeah, we're going to get into all that and a, a lot more about your your businesses in a, in a moment. But when you apply to Berkeley, do you have to I heard a story years and years ago because I expressed interest and in my um, guidance counselor in high school just like shook her head. Um, maybe this was the other thing too. I should have had more people that like, you know, supported me, uh, supporting around me, but they also were like, Greg, we're supporting you by telling you like, it's not going to happen. But did you, I, I know, right. I know when I think about it to this day. So, well, I was like a, I was like a C student across the board. So the, I remember she gave me a list. My mom was sitting right next to me. She gave me a list of colleges that were like, these are the ones you can get into. And, and then I remember asking about a couple others and she just like nodded her head. But so did, did I remember years and years ago, somebody told me that you had to like, you had to like audition or something like that when you, when you got in, maybe it depended on the program you applied to, but to get accepted to Berkeley, did you have to have some sort of like musical background or instrument to be considered? Yeah. So if, if you're applying for like music programs, um, okay, okay. you actually do have to audition. Um, for me, I was doing music business and I had to sounds so cool. Basically. Yeah, it, it is pretty cool. I had to basically include a backgrounder and like explain why I'm doing this. So I would imagine, you know, if you don't have music experience, you could probably still apply and, and get in if you have a trajectory that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, I literally made this like three minute video. Um, th this is actually a funny story. I made this video <laughs> and it was during COVID 
and my roommates were i was living with like two other roommates and it was just in the middle of the city so it was really loud and we lived next to a train station so i had to make this video in my closet where i did a voiceover of just like my experience in the music industry and i sent it to berkeley but i, I sent it through youtube so i didn't realize the video was public so i, I ended up getting like 200 views like overnight and so many people no messaging me and they're like this is such a heartfelt video and i was like that's so embarrassing I didn't <laughs> to live. It, it was like my brendan genetti like personal youtube channel that my family follows because i'm like the guy that makes slideshows for the family i was so embarrassed but anyways yeah that's what i had to supply to them um and i eventually got it and so what's your experience like been so far yeah, so, you know, it's really self-driven, um, okay. and I will fully 100% say sometimes I don't get the most out of it because of my doing. Sure, <laughs> um, sure. I have a right. literal you, full-time job. In a, you a get in what full-time. you – you get out what you put in. And exactly, yeah. Right, right, um, right. And particularly when there's uh, classes in which I know I'm probably not going to um, use that most in, in my future, it's, it's easier for me to zone out. But for things that – go hand in hand with music you're missing and, and throwing this, creating this brand from the ground up. It's been super beneficial. Um, and like my experience at UMass was not very high tech. So it was refreshing that a lot of classes at Berkeley really did translate directly into my brand. Um, but of course, yeah. as I get busier and more successful, it's, it's a little bit harder for me to focus because it is online, but right. you know, that's, that's my own problem. <laughs> that's yeah. my own ADHD issues. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, so perfect segue into your business. So then you eventually create music you're missing, which is a podcast and your business. So I want to dive into that. So when did you start this business? When did you start music you're missing? Yeah. So there's actually kind of two start dates. Um, Before, when I was in college, my senior year, I knew I wanted to, well, I thought I knew I wanted to do the on-air radio thing. And like I said, there's really no like entry level on air radio positions unless i right. want to move to like the middle of nowhere idaho right, right. which i pretty much did at one point during covid when i moved to montana but that is another oh, story so cool <laughs> um, but i yeah i didn't want to do that so um i was like i need some type of content so i created this podcast where i would just interview artists and i definitely used my clout which was honestly non-existent but i made it look like i was a little bit more important on my social Fake media until you make it exactly to contact artists and just be like hey i work for iheart little did they know i was like a glorified intern um do you want to be on my podcast and they were like yeah let's do it so i had like eight episodes that i released really just as a um, I think I actually ended up doing it for, I was in a master's class in college okay. and that was like my class was creating that. And then I used that as like my platform. So that's when I originally released it. So different than what it is today. Um, I basically used that to get to radio and then stopped it. And then obviously when COVID hit and I didn't really have much going on, I restarted it with one of my friends actually, because she was, she was on tour. She was touring with Live Nation um, as like a VIP rep. Okay. And we both just wanted some connection to the industry. So we restarted it to kind of have that be our foot in the door. I don't think we necessarily thought it would turn into what it is now. Um, she obviously didn't because now she's, she's back on tour. It's like my thing. Uh, but she was well, not even back on tour. She's like a not a tour manager, but she's doing something amazing right now with Keith Urban and is traveling the world. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the second date that we've released it um and the second one obviously being more of a formal process 
So just a note to our listeners, the Music You're Missing podcast was named new and noteworthy by Apple Podcast and has peaked worldwide at, I think I got these numbers right, number 20, excuse me, number 28 on Apple's top 200 charts. So, and also the coinciding Spotify playlist, also called Music You're Missing, has accumulated thousands of followers and has been a really big success. So, Brendan, what drove you to kind of want to help the thousands or maybe millions of musicians out there that might fall in this category of Music You're Missing? Yeah, I mean, I, wow, thank you, by the way. Um, I, totally. I, I think it was pretty selfishly, like having, like it was really in college is, is when I, I think I had mentioned high school is like when I realized I was the music guy and by college, I was like the music guy. Like I, that was all I did. People would come over to my apartment and we'd like listen to music and hang out. Um, so my favorite artists were literally no one that I'd be working with at Sony or at iHeart because they were like right. super indie. Right. Um, and that's when I came up with the concept is like, there's so many artists that, people are missing <laughs> but they shouldn't be because they sound like they could be on the radio or they sound like they could be signed to sony um how can i selfishly put people on to these artists and that's kind of the how it how it started um it's such yeah. a great idea i mean like i i can remember going for a walk one day and something somewhat similar kind of came across my head but then it just immediately left and you put that idea together, executed it, and now it's grown to the success that it's been. Quick break to talk about affiliate marketing. I've been providing reviews and marketing affiliate products for some time now. At no extra cost to you, the consumer, I earn a commission on products and services that I demo, use, purchase, and market. If you're looking to make some extra side hustle income in your life, regardless of the product, industry, or genre, you'll need to learn how and where to start. That's why I'm recommending Pat Flynn's online affiliate marketing course called 123 Affiliate Marketing. Learn the ins and outs to affiliate marketing, which is helping companies grow their customer base by legally and officially developing a partnership with them. Take Pat Flynn's course, 123 Affiliate Marketing, from the comfort of your own home or office space whenever you want. Pat Flynn is the owner and creator of SPI, or Smart Passive Income. Smart Passive Income, or SPI, is a pioneer in the entrepreneurial space, developing state-of-the-art content, training, and resources to help you launch and grow your online business. Pat and SPI focus on the needs and challenges facing entrepreneurs at every stage of their journey, whether it be a freelance career, passive income, content creation, agency business, tech startup, side hustle project, or a personal brand. Their learning and development ecosystem includes must-have guides, popular podcasts, best-in-class courses, insightful publications, and a bunch more. I took these and I strongly, strongly recommend this course. For more information, go to the tools and resources page at albumreview.net. You'll see all the Pat Flynn course information there.
wanted to ask you a question and ask for like brutal honesty. What are your criteria for having someone on your show or, or showcasing oh, yeah. their music? Yeah, I'm super strict. There is only one person that I interviewed that I regret interviewing, and that is because they, I won't say who, were signed to a major label. So I just wanted to get an in with the major label, and I'm sure. happy I did that because I will never do it again. Yeah. Um, they didn't reshare. They didn't follow me. They didn't acknowledge it. They didn't answer my emails. Will never happen again. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. but my criteria is, I I need to like it. Like it's it's a very personal thing. Like I'm Same. not putting Same. music on. I'm not putting people onto music unless like I really like it. And I don't care if it's blowing up on TikTok. And I don't care if it has a billion trillion streams. Like I I don't care. It's the whole point is that like. I'm putting you onto the music that I like. If you want music that, you know, TikTok likes, go follow TikTok. Don't follow me. Um, right. So, of course, there are some times where, you know, the podcast is a little a little bit more flexible. Like, if there's something blowing up on TikTok um, and it aligns with our genre, I'm like, yeah, of course, let's do it. I, I obviously like the song to some capacity, but how I learned about it is through a viral moment. And we can catapult that to have, you know, an even more of a moment or, or a lengthier moment um but the criteria is 100 percent. i need to like it and there was only one one artist who i got beef with <laughs> I, I i have the same principles and i'm so glad to hear you say that by the way if you hear any of the moving around or squeaking around um i am unable to get down into my studio because of my broken leg so i'm doing this from the comfort of my dining room right now and so that leaves me right smack in the middle of my house where pretty much the central location where my kids are walking by and so if uh you guys hear that noise back there that's what that's what that is but they've actually been pretty well behaved but back to what you were just saying the principles i'm the same way and i think the first like month i had the site i was like well I'll just you know talk to whomever and and um but then i realized very quickly that the passion that I push out to, to my friends and family and all these listeners, it, 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 it can't be faked. It can't, and it doesn't come through if I'm not passionate about the, the music yeah. and don't really like it. So, so that kind of answers a couple of my next questions, but I guess what are some of the things that excite you about an, an artist or convinces you that he or she needs to be on the podcast? Is it just a a feeling because if it is i i get that right that can be hard to sometimes yeah discuss I mean, I tangibly. Say, like, the, the biggest thing of course is like that feeling that you obviously yeah. you, you wouldn't and you know it like that you know. it just hits you or it doesn't of course and yeah. then secondly i will say like you know there are some genres that i gravitate towards if done really well because yep. i think they're like next in line um, yeah something that i'm really into is like the sounds of uh like French EDM or like French house music, but kind nice. of turning that into like a, a pop uh, accessible sound. I really okay. enjoy. Cool. Um, so things like that, like there are, and like, I really love retro pop as well. Like Bruno Major is my favorite artist and I'm really hoping that one day I can interview him. Nice. Um, and anything that kind of falls within that genre, I'm definitely a little bit partial to. That being said, um, something that excites me too is, which I actually just posted about on Instagram, is like when an artist can utilize mainstream ways of getting attention in a unique way. And there's one artist, her name's Inji, and she's doing that right now on TikTok. Like she's she's doing TikTok, but her music is so different than what you hear on TikTok. And it's really, um, it's almost like her music's almost like a meme like she's she's really over the top with her lyrics 
but it's funny and it's really good too um which i just think is really cool because how often can you say a song is funny like cheesy but good and like artistic at the same time um so i think she's really killing it and she's also a student too she's a student at upenn studying finance we had her on the podcast once so i just think um things like that like like such an interesting story that she has as well so it's a story it's a sound it's really differs but those are some things that immediately kind of excite me makes sense makes perfect sense to me for sure quick sidetrack tiktok how valuable or or not has that been to your you know your career your business yeah i mean it's definitely huge with music missing um and I can't deny it. I think I'm. There's a lot of things I don't like about it, just because I'm. I also I interviewed this band called Saint Lucia yesterday, and okay. we actually had a really great conversation about TikTok. Um, and I feel like we were saying if if I could have that access to that many followers, but they actually followed me because they liked me as opposed to like one of my videos, then the content I would come out with would be a lot more. Um, like organic and actually kind of align with what I want people to see. But on TikTok, it's really powerful. So it is really powerful for music you're missing to get new audience, but you also kind of have to appeal to the masses as opposed to appealing to. Interesting. So, so you're less, it's less about niching down and more about just kind of broad scoping when you, when you put a post out there. In my experience, everyone always talks about, Oh, you got to find your niche, but it's like, no, you actually don't because then you're limiting your audience. You can have a, genre you know i like music is my genre but like i'm not gonna specifically be like like super indie artist interviews because i'm only into swedish death metal and nothing else like no other kind (laughs) exactly because not everyone cares about that and like like i said our audience um i I just want to put artists on to people that i think would like them right not necessarily people who are looking to find uh, podcasts listen to artist interviews with people that they don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, that that's niching down. Is do people actually care about some of the episodes? No, it's the, t- the content around them. Right, that's like a quick way to discover the artist. So uh, to me, I don't like to. I, I yeah, I like to be broad with it. Like I just posted a, a video, which to me is corny, and I don't. I'm not a fan of these videos, but I know it'll do well. And it was like, hey, um, if you're kind of tuckered out by listening to Harry Styles' new album, here are four independent artists that I think you might like because they kind of sound like Harry Styles. And now are people going to listen to that because they like Harry Styles? Yes. <laughs> are they going to listen to those music? Yes. Are they going to listen to the podcast? Probably not. But right. yeah, like if we niche down, I would say here are four independent artists that you should check out. People don't care about that. They don't right. know anyone there. But when you add Harry Styles, it, it, it broadens it up. a bit. That makes perfect sense. And yeah. And are you also, I'm guessing you are, you're conscious when you do these TikTok posts of, what is it like get in and get out 25 seconds or 30 seconds or is yeah. it a little bit longer? Yeah. It's luckily, you know, I'm the type of person who needs quick pace. Like I'm, I'm don't have a large attention span. A lot of us are, a lot yeah. of us are these days. It's a good thing and it's a blessing and a, and a, and a, and a curse. hundred percent. Mostly a curse, but yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I will produce it to kind of match like my quick attention span. And like, I know what works. I, for example, this TikTok, I started out with like a 0.3 second clip of me saying, Hey, and then immediately getting into the TikTok because like that 0.3 and then the jump cut, it's like stimulating. And then sometimes I like look back on it and I'm like, damn, 
that makes me feel bad that I'm like playing with people's attention span. <laughs> so, um, but that is, yeah, that is it to its core. How I, I typically produce is, you know, quick to the point. And also because I don't want to sit down in front of my phone for like an hour and make a TikTok. I, I, I want it to be less totally intense for me just because I'd rather right. focus my efforts on the actual brand and not the TikTok page. Right. Right. So comparing Instagram versus TikTok from not a consumer uh, point of view, but from a business owner point of view, you feel like it's an opportunity or a platform to get people to sort of follow you or pay attention a little bit faster than Instagram. Yeah, definitely. I think reels are so stupid. I never (laughs) had a reel like actually do well. Um, and, and when they do, it's like a lie. Like I'll randomly get like a thousand likes on this video and get absolutely no comments and no interactions with it. I'm like, did Instagram just give me like fake likes? It, it's really interesting. Weird. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've always mind, wondered that. Yeah. yeah. And then again, everyone has different experiences of the platforms and from my uh, point of view, Instagram is where I talk to people that listen to me. TikTok is where I get new fans. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm asking a lot of this because TikTok has been, it's probably the fourth conversation I've had this week about TikTok and the other three were like, you have to get on it. Like it's not a, you know, um, so I'm debating, but hearing what you're saying here with Instagram, it's so interesting because, and you hit the nail on the head earlier with everything that I've done and I put a lot of work into, maybe I get 10 likes and maybe an extra follow. Um, when I literally do nothing, like I did one where I was like standing in line at, at the grocery store and I popped something on there and woke up the next morning and I had like 200 likes. So to me personally, it's just difficult to predict, you know, what, what it's going to, what it's going to do. And I've niche, I've niched down a lot more, uh, from that standpoint, but a lot more people are recommending TikTok. So it's something that, uh, you know, just, uh, is, is interesting. Want to shift gears a little bit. How, how many, how many concerts, Brennan, would you say you've attended overall in your life roughly? Oh God. Um, if I actually had to put a number to it, I would say like 400. <laughs> awesome. Okay, we're in the same club. We're definitely in the same club. Yeah, I went to I if we had enough time, I would break out my my book. I've um do you have like I've saved every stub of every concert. I think there was like one that um I had a little bit too many beverages that night and I woke up the next morning in a hotel and was like, "Where's my stub?" But I've kept my first concert was in 1989 and I've kept the stub. I've kept every stub since. Unfortunately, today there are no stubs. So and the first thought I had when you said that. You yeah. Were- so I what I do and this sounds, you know, whatever. But I I literally take a screenshot of my phone, print it out, and then I like cut it like a four year old or a five year old in kindergarten. And I put it into my book. That's but awesome. To me, that's part of one of the many things of my legacy that I want to leave behind. But I like handing that book to people and they go on a, a little journey a little little trip thing ever i literally i'm such a nostalgic person and i have like four different boxes under my bed where i will keep like certain things that i know have some type of value to me yeah Uh, ticket subs are obviously whenever i get an actual ticket sub to go in there yeah Um, nice i I wish i I, like i i need to i I wish i could yell at myself to do that because i i do love going through them because it 
just the act of going through anything old. The memories. Like, I mean, so much memory. it brings it back right away. And you're yeah. like, oh my God, I remember they opened with this. Or a lot of what <clears throat> I'm doing on this podcast now is is talking to people about, you know, concerts that they went to and then they were like not expecting the opener to be anything special and then the opener ended up blowing them away yeah um for me rage against the machine is the best example that i have i didn't even they weren't even on my radar and i went to a show and they opened and it changed my life forever and i ended up you know the next day going out and buying their album and the rest is history so yeah so putting you on the spot a little bit but you certainly give you time to think do you have a crazy concert story out of the 400 that you've been to that was just like, this is a nutty story. I've got to share it. I mean, I certainly have many. I think <laughs> the one that immediately comes to mind though. And I, I think I've said this on another podcast. It's hilarious. I was working a concert. It was like an iHeart festival and Post Malone was the headliner. Ah. And the following day. So it's not actually even about the concert. It's about the post concert. We part of my job, glorified intern, was that I had to return the U-Haul that they used as like runner vans to okay. escort the artists around, and someone had told me that all of the cars have been cleaned. So I was like, all right, we're good to go. So we drive to U-Haul or whatever the company was, and we drop it off. And the guy was like, "Are you serious?" And I was like, "What?" He was like, "Did you even look in the back of the car?" I was like, "No," and there was just like. Every, <laughs> there I think I know stuff. where you're going with this. There is some stuff <laughs> back then. And I was like, and he was like, I have to rent this out to a Girl Scout group in <laughs> And the name on the reservation is Peaches. I, <laughs> I cannot rent this out to Peaches. So I think they must have charged my company. You know, a couple hundred dollars, including fees. But yeah, that is definitely my favorite story. Were any of those items in the back of the truck made out of latex by any chance? Or... <laughs> yeah, they, uh, uh, many of them, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, wondering if you can share this or if it's not time yet, Brendan, but you previously mentioned for your senior project at Berkeley that you're developing a music fest in Boston at a... a a large, I think you said 2000 seat venue. Yeah. Um, could you, could you talk about that a little bit or is it a little yeah. too premature? Cool. Super blunt and honest. I was supposed to be at a 2000 cap venue. The company I'm working with isn't responding to me in a timely manner and I'm funding the whole thing myself. Um, wow. At a 320 cap venue just to make things a little bit smaller. And I sure. actually, um, and instead doing more of like a concert series, so that um, I have a co-investor and we're beginning the the process of that. In the meantime, I'm throwing a kind of backyard music and arts festival with a bunch of different vendors and sponsors and artists um, just to kind of like get my feet wet before we kind of graduate to a more, um, I think it's like a Live Nation venue, before, like a legit venue. Um, and then, you know, after that, we'll graduate to something bigger and better. Just curious, when and where can we hear about this in the future? Like, yeah, your your website or follow you on TikTok or Instagram. How do we yeah, how do we find out about that? Definitely follow Instagram is where we make our announcements. That's like where we talk to our actual listeners. You'll hear it on the podcast as well. Um, the arts festival and whatnot. All that information is on our Instagram. But the the show that we're booking, we're actually just waiting back to book a date, and then we're going to book it. And I think we have probably a week turnover before we announce it. So it's definitely coming soon. The announcements will be there soon. It's just a matter of confirming the date and whatnot with the venue. 
Perfect. Okay, cool. Now, as a fellow entrepreneur and business owner, I'm always digesting, you know, we were talking about this earlier, I'm always digesting advice and recommendations on how to grow my brand. When I get advice that I like, and it works, I always want to pass it along to the next person. That's what fires me up. Could you kind of walk us through some of the steps, you know, that that you've taken to sort of grow your brand over the last few years? Yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, the biggest thing I'll say recently is I've, I took a break like the past month and a half. But one, I broke my foot. I was supposed to take a break beyond that yeah, and actually like focus on myself and move. But then in that time period, I broke my foot. And in addition to that, my lease, just my, my leasing agent was like, your building's not moving ready. You can't move in yet. So I've actually, my break has not been used properly. But anyways, during this time, I've actually been able to legitimize a lot of growth and i think the biggest thing i've realized which i'm such an impatient impulsive person so am i yeah that my biggest piece of advice and this is to myself is like you really have to one trust the process and two you know you can't get mad if you're not actually doing the work at 100 percent. like you can't get mad for not growing if you're not investing in things that actually help you grow like i think i mentioned to you during our pre-call is i did a whole thing on search engine optimization right like that's how you grow not how you grow like and and i get tricked because i want that instantaneous growth like i've spent 50 dollars on a tiktok ad before like a hundred dollars on a google ad and like i i thinking oh this is it this is our moment this is it yeah wake up tomorrow morning it's gonna be life-changing yeah 100 but it's not it's not that even a a multi-million view tiktok which we've had it's not that it's really the little back end of things that that help make you a lot more legit and it does take a lot of time and resources and every time i take a minute just to invest in things like that is when i really do see like my my best success or or my at least steps towards a greater you know good that's that's awesome advice i mean that that can go in any type of business as well, not just growing a podcast or music or it can, you can go for any entrepreneur out there. And that's a lot of what I love to talk about in these episodes as well. So um, you sort of already touched upon it earlier that, you know, you, you use TikTok, um, you have your podcast. What are some other, uh, maybe Instagram a little bit, what are some other platforms that you've, that you have used in the past to get the word out there? So I am now at a, 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 time where I'm, I'm leaning on kind of earned media for the first time which is really awesome. sick. Yeah. so that is definitely what i've been focusing on lately so i've been in touch with a lot of uh like playlist editorial people at like pod or spotify amazon music and apple podcasts just to try to get it in front of them so that they will playlist us and front page us or whatever um and it's been successful amazon music has is about to have us playlisted um and they're running an ad with us right now for free which is pretty sick so that's definitely what i've been focusing on 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 more and how to get the word out um but it's hard i feel like you can't just you know you kind of got to earn your way there because these people aren't going to take you seriously if you don't have like some type of established um like background right so you know you at first i would obviously leverage like tiktok has been huge um i really i've I've paid for ads they're just not worth it they're i use ads strategically like when i I gave away um 20 pairs of free tickets to this music festival and i knew that i could give them away 
already with our audience. But it was the first time working with this company. So it's like, all right, I, I kind of want to look good for them. So I think I sure. did like a $60 ad. And free tickets is something people, it might be an ad, but people will click on it. So that's like things like that. Where I'm like, okay, I'll invest in an ad there. Or yeah. like for my merchandise, if it looks cool, like people might not know who we are, but they might like the shirt. So I'll invest in an ad there. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I've been doing for exposure. I also, when I was really young or not young, but like really new with music you're missing, I would literally just tweet people um, whenever they use the words music you're missing. It's mostly people tweeting. Like if you haven't heard Leon Bridges music, you're missing out. Yeah. (laughs) I would just message them and be like, Hey, I noticed you used the word music you're missing in your tweet. You should check out my podcast. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, That's smart. Creative with it. Um, And also like, I think another thing I'd, kind of just kind of rambling at this point but um in-person connections with people have been the largest way people will like mass follow me and like really get to know me like they get to actually understand what music you're missing is directly from me and the host and the creator so that's been helpful if i can get at an event um i will be there and whether it's a sponsorship fee like i've been in, in a one event it was like a 150 dollar sponsorship fee and i invested like $400 in branded merch. So the whole thing was, you know, like wow, my company actually paid for it. So I didn't really invest anything, but as, as an, as a total, like the return on investment, I think we probably ended up getting 150 followers out of that day. And our content, we had millions of views from the content from that music festival that it was. Um, so like for whatever I said, you know, 500 bucks, that's not. That. Yeah, no, that's, that's a definitely, I mean, it's a huge ROI. So, I mean, obviously it's working because I think before our interview here today, I was looking up that you've got over 30,000 social media followers and over 50,000 listens on your podcast. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's working. So that's why I wanted to obviously ask you the question. I appreciate your honesty. A little bit of a change, uh, sort of, there's so many podcasts out there now, Brendan. What are some of the maybe common mistakes that you hear or see other podcasters make these days? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, I really don't think I can speak on that because I don't control what works for everyone. Um, I can tell you in my world, like if, if we're talking music interview podcast, I can tell you that sometimes people will go into these interviews with an expectation that um, no one has heard of the person that you're interviewing in. But if you're someone that like doesn't have an audience, you know, that artist is actually <laughs> their fans are your audience. So right. who are you really curating that episode for? Are you creating it for your your audience who doesn't know this person? Or are you uh, like producing it for this artist's audience? And for the most part, it's the artist audience. And the artist audience knows the basics from the artists. Okay. And just another thing is like I've interviewed a lot of um, artists who the common people might call them one hit wonders but anyone with sense in the industry knows that they're not one hit wonders and that yeah they may have had like a top 40 moment but they've withstand that success so if it's been like 10 years since their one hit wonder maybe let's not bring that up um they're they're doing (laughs) press for their current project and unless like it it they're doing like a reunion for it it just doesn't need to be brought up it's insulting and also like it's cheesy it's corny yeah. They've already done press for that song. They don't need to do it again. Right. That's a great point. In the old days, I think it was in terms of the music industry itself, it was harder to get your music out there. There was more of a structure when I'm talking about the old days, really when I was a kid. So I grew up in the 80s and 90s and even prior to that in the 70s. There wasn't I mean there wasn't the internet obviously. I can remember 
you know, going around to amateur producers actually at Berkeley, um, just walking around the city with my guitar and people approaching me either at a bar or at a party or something like that. But I always had like my music on me or I had a demo or a CD or a tape. And, you know, I was just always trying to do it that way or break in. Today, I, I think personally, it's a little bit easier to hear you know, this person's music or that person's music because of all of the platforms that we have. You can just call it up on your phone. But I always bring this up, Brendan, and I always like to get different opinions. There's so much out there that my my worry would be it's so diluted or is it diluted? I guess, is it harder now today to get your, you know, you, the the musician, you, the the, the you know, is it harder to get your stuff out there because of everything that's available and because of all these platforms. Um, I, I think it depends on the way you look at it. For me personally, I think now more than ever, there's a market in niche audiences and smaller audiences. Whereas in the past, you really couldn't do things with a small audience. Now there's just more venues and there's more opportunity to actually make a profit off of a smaller audience. Right. So I, and now there's more outlets to, to have an audience. So not everyone, of course, can have millions of followers, but, you know, you can have 3,000 and, you know, you might not be number one on the charts, but you can certainly, if you play your cards right, make that lucrative enough where you can pursue a career off of it. Um, I think any career in music is a risk and you just need to be ready yeah. for all ends of the spectrum. It's not all top 40. You might constantly feel like you're waiting for that moment your whole career, but you can still have a career successfully um, as a, you know, lesser streamed artist you talk to so many musicians on a regular basis and you have so many of them on your podcast and i always picture these are people that are you know maybe fighting tooth and nail to get their music out there there's maybe different levels i was that guy for a little while and then look i'm just going to say it i gave up what are what are some ways that you're seeing today's musicians have success with these efforts getting their music out there is it just pounding the pavement playing over and over gigging 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 and just posting some of the artists that I've interviewed on this podcast, they just, every day they post something and they're playing or their band's playing. What are some of the things that you're seeing today that musicians are doing to have success? Connections. Connections, <laughs> um, yeah. Definitely, like, at the end of the day, you could have moments on TikTok or whatnot, but, like, you got to have some type of connection to the industry because those are the people that, you know, have the money to actually invest in you. Yeah. Um, but you can, of course, leverage your, your TikTok. Like, you to get connections they're they're leveraging social media to kind of create a brand for themselves um and keep growing and growing until they can actually tap into those connections like i have a lot of for me for example like there are a lot of people that i'm connected with that are really really significant and we know each other we have yet to talk because i'm not there yet when i am right. there i will loop them on into an email and they're going to know who i am but like that's part of what you use social media for too is to get those um actual valuable connections so you're not just getting fans you're not just getting listeners how can you like they're using their platform to basically break into the industry um right and like I, for me i've i i guess back in the day it would be like gigging and whatnot to to get a lot of those connections but really yeah social media is the, the biggest way i feel like people are networking in the music space yeah yeah in many ways i guess it's you know because I still have a hard time wrapping my head around like, how do people make money if they're not selling 
their music. Um, you know, that it was, I feel like it was such a simple formula back in the day. I was a kid, I was either on the bus and I would hear one of the older kids say, have you ever heard of tears for fears? Or have you ever heard of Def Leppard or no? Uh, and the next time I would be in the record store, I would go to the D or go to the T section and pull the album out and buy it. Uh, and, or I would hear it on the radio and then, you know, you'd, you'd hear either in the paper or on the radio that they were coming, uh, to your, to a city near you and you go to the show. That was pretty much like the, the formula. And then there were things like fan clubs and it was obviously all done by mail. Um, but I was purchasing, they were getting me to constantly buy. I would be in a pharmacy or any kind of magazine store and I would see circus or hit parade or a rolling stone. And I would buy that because of the, but it's like today, I just, I wonder how musicians make money. And a lot of the people that I've met, and this isn't a knock, um, it makes me admire them more. You know, maybe they're not necessarily swimming in it, uh, the, the, the money that is, but they're just, they're really doing it because they love it. But I'm just always curious how, um, unless you're, you know, Foo Fighters or Kesha or some of the other artists we've been talking about through this (laughs) podcast, I'm afraid that like those days are gone. Like when is the next like big rock band gonna, gonna come out and get that big? I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I watch I watch the Grammys now, and I don't know any of the the artists. I watch them because I want to get turned on to new things. But I just the formula for me, in no way is this a knock, but it just confuses me. And I I, I guess a lot of times I'm overwhelmed when I'm consuming new music. So what I have to do is focus. Uh, my physical therapist the other day recommended a band called Ripe. And I had never oh heard God. of them before. So good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not only are they good, they're also like really like well connected. They're a band who like sells out so much locally. Uh, and I just know that whatever continues to be in store for them is going to be so like, they're going to be so successful. And they're a local band. They're a Berkeley band. They already are. Yeah. 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 No, but, but I mean, I'd never heard of them. And so it was, it was word of mouth, but I got back in my car and I pulled them up on Spotify and listened to them. And there's actually one song that they released uh, a week ago called noise in the water. That is incredible. Just absolutely incredible. So, so it's working from that standpoint and they just, they got another fan, but I guess I'm just, I'm always, I'm always just a little overwhelmed, Brandon. And so that was another reason why when I met you, I was just incredibly intrigued by, you know, what you do and how you do it and how you stay connected and your positive attitude through all of it. So I guess, I don't know if that's more of a statement than a question to you, but (laughs) you know, I, I, I'm always looking for people to give me hope that there's still a working formula out there. And maybe my ripe story is a perfect example of that. It just feels so unstructured to me right now that I don't know, I don't know where to go. So I literally will bother people and say, what are you hearing? What do you know? And so for all of you listening to this out there right now, that are of the same mindset, Brendan is your guy. Brendan, I mean, I like to think I'm a little bit of that guy as well, but I'm probably going to turn you on to something from 1972, which is still going to change your life, but Brendan's the guy that knows all the up-and-coming new stuff. That was another reason why I wanted to get it out there. But, I mean, what are some of your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely not wrong. I I, I really do focus primarily on 
like the indie scene or, or at least like the yeah. you know the lesser known scene I, sure. I never i've never crafted a word by the way that sounds good but i'm also <laughs> saying like lesser known artists i need to figure out a word for that if anyone has recommendations you let me know you can steal like mine it. you can steal mine i i just use independent and that could be confusing cuz is my is, like there are i talk to so many artists that are signed to major labels who are still you know <laughs> right. trying They're not to as get independent there. Like, yeah yeah exactly i and rising i don't like rising because then they're like some people have you know they've been on top they 40. might get offended they're like hey yeah, i yeah. opened up for so and so last year and you're calling me rising like, like, <laughs> exactly. You, you get what I mean. Um, I totally get what you mean. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm certainly overwhelmed a lot by new music. I mean, people will message me and be like, hey, did you listen to like The Weeknd's new album? And I'm like, no, I literally have not listened to an album from The Weeknd in like 20 years. <laughs> it, it, no shade on him. I just like, I'm so focused in like that independent scene that I don't really listen to a lot of music which i do think is kind of bad i like some i oh i think that makes it so unique and awesome man and that's why you know i just i i want to turn more and more and more yeah. people onto your podcast i just say it's not bad i just think it has its it, it certainly helps to understand the market a little bit more as to yeah. kind of see what people are talking about what's going on and i i've fallen off just a bit um, whereas I used to be like Mr. Top 40. <laughs> so I just kind of yeah. need to like, we all were recenter with what's going on, but yeah, I'm, I'm truly mostly in, in very much so into like the indie scene and, and can give you an artist for any type of genre or mood you're feeling. So give us one right now, if you feel comfortable doing it, like give us one give shout it. out or somebody that we should, you know, that everyone who's listening to this podcast should just go check out. And this is by no means, you know, if you're an artist listening to this right now and, you know, Brendan recently interviewed you, this doesn't mean you're out of it, but, um, you know, what's, what's one artist that we should all go check out? I think you mentioned one earlier, but give us another one. Yeah. So, I mean, I, th that's the thing is like NG, I think it's amazing, but I wouldn't recommend her to everyone because she's definitely more niche. I don't think everyone's going to be listening to her, her song about like doing Molly in a club with her best friends. Um, how do you spell, how do you spell her name? I N J I. Okay. But one artist that I, I do always recommend and I, I think from an artistic perspective, he is probably one of my favorite artists that I've interviewed, like sonically. Uh, his name's Stephen Day, and he has this kind of retro pop sound to him, and he is just amazing. His his lyrics are very great. His production is very great. He, he A lot of his songs, he has like this kind of vocal effect where it does sound like a old-fashioned-y kind of vocal. Um, and I saw him in concert a couple times as well, and he plays with a live band he puts on such a great show the energy of his fans are amazing like his fans are just cool like if you're a Stephen day listener you're cool um it's the rule <laughs> uh, but like i think that's like a huge part of it is like he's created kind of a community within his him himself as well it's not just like he's not just an artist churning out hits like everything he does is a full-fledged project um he has a cool look every just everything i think he's he's great and uh I, I, it's an interesting concept too, because I, I would love to see him continue to succeed. I just don't necessarily know what a mainstream market for his sound looks like, but I would mm. certainly love to find out. Interesting. Interesting. If I had to throw out one, there was a guy that I interviewed who's based out of the UK. He now lives in Florence, Italy, Shan Reagan. I interviewed him on my podcast a couple months ago. I think it was episode 36 or 37. He's, he put out an album called a poison with an aftertaste and um, it's just, it's incredible. I'm not sure. I think if I had originally heard it before meeting him, I would have been like, Oh, this guy's, 
on the radio or this guy's selling out Royal Albert Hall, I think he's going to eventually get there. And I feel really grateful that I had an opportunity to interview him before he kind of broke big. I actually felt like I was getting away with murder because I was like, I can't believe I got this guy on the podcast. It was that experience along with a bunch of others that really it got me excited and motivated me to want to do a lot of that as well. Just plug, you know, uh, non, I don't know. Uh, yeah you know what now you got me like thinking of that word i'm just gonna call it independent artists yeah. i don't think shan would uh would hate me for that so well brendan i know we're um we're getting close to wrapping up i i definitely have just been oh man i'm loving this conversation i could i could go on for hours but we obviously have lives um is there anything that i i'm i'm missing or anything else that you'd like to mention or plug please don't feel any shame for plugging anything that we haven't already talked about. I guess after you answered that, I also ask if you could just share very quickly, like where our listeners can, can find you. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would just say, um, I'm about to get my cast off. And when that happens, like I'm <laughs> fully prepared to take over the world. So just keep that in mind. i'm with you man i'm with you too we both have broken leg or we both have issues with our legs and so yeah we're brendan's a little bit more ahead of me but um what are you going to do after that what are what are some of your plans after that um we'll see that's where i'm torn because i have so much that i want to do for music you're missing in person but i also am like i need to go to switzerland so i'm a little torn on which one i want to do i've already booked a trip to quebec city like once my boot comes off nice get like a little taste of adventure but when i come back i might have to send it to europe and then i will start going full-fledged with music you're missing again this is so weird i'm shaking my head because I I was on Sunday afternoon, I was literally online looking at tickets to Quebec City. And then I just said, screw it. Let's go to France. Um, And uh, so I'm going to take my family in February. Honestly, after being pent up, like you truly deserve it. And and like I do, too, like being stuck inside, like super immobile. One has made me so grateful, but two has made me realize that I I've never in my life and said I needed a vacation, but I really do. Like I do the same every single day because I can't walk. I, I know, like, right? Dude, I find myself like when I'm out in public, which is rare now, I find myself, here we go, this is going to sound weird, but I watch people walk and I'm like, they have no oh. clue how lucky they are. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it's, it's, you know, it's it's just, yeah, it's been a very humbling experience, but sure. we're, ba- we're we're both back out on the, the road, the path, um, I've got a couple more weeks, but you're, you're there, man. And I think for me, my goal is I want to go see Jane's addiction at the, at the garden in a couple of weeks. They're coming in about three weeks to Boston. And so my goal is to be, if I don't have my boot off yet, at least not have to fully depend on my crutches and put a little bit of weight on it. So if I do, I'm definitely going to need, uh, my friend that I'm going with to ensure that I get home safely because I'm going to go nuts. That <laughs> night. I'm going to go insane. So, um, I, I have the same exact experience of so real quick where where can we just where can we find you i mean obviously people can google your name but what are some quick spots that people can go out and find you out there on the socials yeah i mean i guess i would have to just recommend you check out this new website that i built because i'm proud of it it's called music you're missing.org.com was taken ah they want to pay for it so it's dot org <laughs> same with me man i went after albumreview.com and the guy wanted like a hundred billion dollars and so yeah. i said screw you yeah, I just I'm like I, I, the the people can they can type in .org instead of .com. It's not a big yeah, deal. not a big and deal. If it is a big deal. Don't listen to me. I don't want exactly. To. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, 
Awesome. Well, Brendan, this has been a thrill. Thank you so much for joining me on a Friday afternoon. I wish you all the best of luck. I definitely want to keep in touch with you. I've had, you know, one of the, the, the greatest experiences of when I launched this podcast two years ago was that I've made so many more friends and, and you're close by too. Like when I interviewed I that guy, Shan, he was in Florence, Italy. And I was like, it might be a little while till I get out to see you there, bud. But, um, but I'll, I'll do it at some point, but like, you're, you're not far away from me. So we should, you know, we should, uh, get together at some point, but I, I wish you the best of luck, you know, on everything, your, your business and you're going to be graduating. And it just seems like you've got a lot in front of you. And, um, I'm, I'm grateful to, you know, have some, some time with you today. Dude, I appreciate you like caring. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm so happy I got to do this. Thanks again for listening to the albumreview.net podcast. I hope you enjoyed my interview with podcaster, business owner, entrepreneur, and Berkeley College of Music student, Brendan Gennetti. If you're interested in any of the books or albums that I've discussed in previous episodes or any of the music that I discussed in this episode, go to albumreview.net and pick up a copy of your own. Listen to all my podcast album reviews at albumreview.net by clicking on the podcast tab. They can also be heard wherever podcasts are available. Please follow the show on your preferred platform so you can get regular updates on new episodes. And also, if you guys would be so kind as to pop a quick review or rate the podcast, that helps move the needle and get the word out there. I do want to hear from you guys as well. Please email me your feedback, album review requests, and any questions you might have to gpotters at albumreview.net. That's G-P-O-T-T-E-R-S at albumreview.net. If you'd like to get regular updates on reviews, interviews, products, and music news, go to the homepage and join the mailing list. Stay tuned for updates on Instagram. You can find me at albumreview.net. And just keep refreshing your podcast. Just read and listen. All right, until next time, I'm done for today. Bobo out. Trip down by the highway Take a trip down